0: Hey guys and girls and everybody. This is Lisa Mandel from the bitch seat podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic transmission network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit the Atlantic and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like the bitch seat going keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Hello, campers. This is the Bitch Seat Podcast. I'm Lissa. I'm Phil. And, uh, you know, it's another day in Los Angeles where the clouds are gathered in a very Halloween-like way. Even though, even
1: though it's after Halloween. That's fine. And, I'll take it. the weather is amazing. It's beautiful. This is what I'm here for yeah, right it, now.
0: It really reminds me of crunchy leaves underfoot, even though there are none of those
1: here. Actually, the, Well, the, the leaves in our apartment complex are extra crunchy. They are, you can, I mean, you can't tell now because I've stepped on all of them. Because Thanks. It's just, <laughs> Thanks. It's just how I enjoy myself here. Um, thank you guys for listening so far. If you are new to the Bitch Seat, we are a nostalgia-based podcast that is uh, also a talk show, and we uh, are found <laughs> on social media at on Twitter at the
0: underscore bitch underscore seat and on Instagram at the Bitch Seat.
1: And also, you can find us on Facebook if you're if you're nasty, and uh,
0: <laughs> and you can always listen on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, yeah. and uh, per usual. Please download episodes, even if you delete them right after. Downloading ups the numbers more than subscribing. Listen,
1: I want to do reads. I want to do reads for ads. So get us. Just start downloading. You don't even have to listen. Just download it and then delete it. Just, okay.
0: Okay. Now that we have, <laughs> now that we have asked for things before giving anything. Well, that's how it's
1: done. That's yeah. how it's done, in in the, this is the business. In the business. I, in the business. Whatevs.
0: Um, our guest today uh, is somebody who I've actually known for quite a few years um, from back on the East Coast, Emily Ziff Griffin. She is a writer. She just put out a young adult novel called Light Years um, and is a, a film producer as well, um, and we will um, welcome her shortly. Um, but first, I'm going to go back in time. I'm gonna time travel to April and June of 1995.
1: Nineteen ninety five, 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 five. Okay, so uh, the first movies, the movies that that meant a lot, and I feel like the movies that are still referenced in sketch shows and improv uh, happened this year. I feel like our generation references the Goofy movie a lot. I feel.
0: Speak for yourself there on that. You're like. M-
1: we're, we're roughly the same age. Yeah. I feel like I've had many conversations with people regarding the Goofy movie, and it's not that I've prompted it. It's that they're like, oh, yeah, the Goofy movie, and I'm like, I saw that. It was good. Uh, also, Three <laughs> Ninjas, Knuckle Up.
0: Okay, that was very important to my That year. was
1: very important. Yeah, but all different actors, except for the father, for the grandfather.
0: Oh, this wasn't the original. This was like the...
1: This is like the second or third. Oh, There's Kickback, Knuckle Up, and then Thunder Mountain starring Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> I don't know what sequence... I don't know what sequence they happen. Um, around this time in April, This Is How We Do It uh, came out on April 1st, almost as if uh, an April Fool's of This Is What's To Come. <laughs> this is, and then uh, Freak Like Me by Adina Howard, I Know by Dion Farris, and um, Keep Their Heads Ringing by Dr. Dre. That's, uh, that was all April. And then uh, June. June, we turned up the heat. Because "Scream" by Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson came out.
0: Oh dang! Uh,
1: "Hootie and the Blowfish" had "Let Her Cry." (gasps)
0: "Hootie and the Blowfish." I don't think we ever talk about them Uh, anyway.
1: "One More Chance" by Notorious B.I.G. and "Waterfalls" by TLC.
0: Very important.
1: And then also, wait, we're not done because June 1995 is an important year for movies, in as well because "Sexy Batman" came out. uh, "Batman Forever."
0: Oh. Yeah, I yeah, very important. Chris O'Donnell,
1: Chris O'Donnell, Val Kilmer, Kiss from a Rose, Jim Carrey. Come on,
0: you know my first dance was to Kiss from a Rose.
1: Mine was uh, Because You Loved Me. Oh, sorry, uh, Pocahontas, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie, Apollo thirteen. Oh, this is a big year. And Congo. (laughs) Listen, it had all the elements of a blockbuster. It just didn't. the The execution is what matters.
0: Well, while all of these pop culture things were going on, I, per usual, had my head up my own ass emotionally. Me too. So um, here are two short excerpts about a very important piece of art that I saw when I was in sixth grade. Ah, That changed me forever. Uh, This is April 24th, 95. Whoever would have thought that just a two and a half hour play could give you such an intense feeling... On Sunday, my parents took my brother and me to see Tommy on Broadway. St. James Theater in New York City. It was so incredible. We were sitting in our seats minding our own business when a minor chord blasted and the theater lights went dark. Everyone jumped a mile into the air and a few people shrieked. But there was no time to talk about how startled we were. We sat back and watched the show. The music and story had been written by Pete Townsend from The Who, so there was a lot of electric guitar and keyboard. The show was about a boy named Tommy Walker, who, when he was four, went into shock when his father shot a man. He became deaf, dumb, and blind. The amazing thing was, though, that he was excellent at playing pinball. I mean, really laying it out pretty simply. Throughout the whole show, Tommy's parents were trying to find a cure. In the end, his mother smashed a mirror. He'd been looking at the mirror when the man had been shot, so he came out of shock when when the mirror broke. The show had me under a spell for days, the music repeating in my head. Then... continued two months later. The events that have happened lately have made a permanent scar in my mind. No more than five weeks ago, I saw a blaring, colorful Broadway show, Tommy, and before I had a chance to forget about that, my dance recital came about. For some strange reason, I wasn't nervous at all throughout the whole performance. When I waited backstage, I kept reminding myself, this is the last time I'll be doing this dance, or hearing this music, or wearing this costume. But the painful painful arrows of depression never spat their venom into my heart until today. It wasn't until today that the two shows swirled together in a giant tornado of all the anger, depression, tiredness, sadness, fear, and excitement that I had been holding inside me for a long while back. Though I wouldn't let my facial expression admit it, I was crying like a rain cloud inside. Per usual. Always crying like a rain cloud inside.
1: Um... A very a, like a very eloquent rain cloud. Well, always.
0: Yeah. The thing about that show—did you ever see Tommy?
1: We've we've had this conversation oh, numerous times. I'm so sorry. Now that you've put pressure on me to see Tommy, I'm never going to be able to see it.
0: Well, the the movie is super disturbing in a different way. Like the Broadway show is like, you know, a cleaned up version. You know, there is molestation and some other. There's, shit Yeah, in there. I know there's
1: a lot of buggery in, in the movie. But, yeah,
0: but um, but. My brother and I were both just, like, under the spell of it for some reason. Like, it it just – and he was even younger. You know, he was, like, 8 or 9. And uh, it's disturbing, to say the least. Um, and there's something about the quality of the music and the chords that uh, – I mean, you've heard the music Yeah, from I've heard it. the music. It's great. It's super, super haunting. And there was something about it that stuck in my craw. And I couldn't understand it because – But I did get the the Jesus references.
1: And you were like 11 at the time?
0: Like 12. 11, 12?
1: Yeah. That's a really really, uh, important time for someone to watch anything remotely R-rated. Yeah, well, I felt very
0: porous to the darkness of it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Anyway.
1: Anyway. That's how I felt uh, watching um, Batman Forever uh, in June 1995. Also that I saw with my brother.
0: It was important. I love the movie. darkness. I feel like darkness was a very prevalent thing
1: Well, yeah, I think at we, the time. It was beginning because I, I know that year uh, Dark City definitely came out uh, in this, I'm, unless I'm wrong. Unless that was 96, 97. But yeah, that was around the time when like movies started – movies
0: – we not as sanitized, or at least the R-rated movies sort well, of- Well, it was grunge era. to
1: slip out. And so yeah. that
0: was trickling into everything. Yeah.
1: We, I mean, we had Cool World and Bay Bay's Kids and all that weird shit.
0: Cool World. Oh, my God. remember that. What a strange fucking movie.
1: Well, another episode devoted to Cool World. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's for get sure. to our guest.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> our guest. Uh, our guest uh, is- Actually, uh, now a, a writer who has just released this book, Light Years, um, which you should all go out and get. It's been getting amazing reviews. It is about a young woman with synesthesia, which I find super fucking fascinating, and um Uh, She is also a film producer, has worked on such films as um, Capote and Jack Goes Boating. I actually know her from when I worked at Labyrinth because she was a good friend and worked with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, who was an artistic director of Lab, and, and he was a friend and confidant to her for many years, um, and I'm so excited that she's working in, in this new medium, because I think that's always really, really cool when people stretch their muscles in that way. So everybody, let's welcome Emily Ziff Griffin. Oh, oh shit, I didn't know there was such a, a wind-up to this song. Hold
1: on. Well, I guess we're in Hold a city. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, there
0: it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Okay. So we're um, we see Emily. She's waiting at the top of the steps, about to go down into the sixth train. Uh, and she's pausing for a moment. It's fall in New York, and the breeze is blowing through her hair, and she's wearing a cape. and uh,
1: we can't really have this moment last too long because it's New York after all. And so there's just people just coming and going by her while she's trying to have this moment in New York. But she just agrees to, uh, she acquiesces to the rush of the crowd and goes down the stairs. Walks down the stairs. Doesn't fall. Just walks.
0: But she walks at her own pace. Yes. you know what I mean? Yes. She, she doesn't get pushed around.
1: No. No, no, no. But, you know, she's aware that there's probably somebody behind her who's like, do well, not you
0: fucking move? Jesus Christ, what's going on? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's but, pretty so, much but it. But she walks. But she
1: walks. That's so, pretty you know, much it. Considerate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then right when she hits the bottom of the platform, the train appears.
1: Yep. Cool. Perfect timing. And the Metro card goes
0: perfectly. Hi, Emily.
2: That was the best introduction I think I've ever had. I could have asked for it. That was amazing. I felt myself right there. And I miss New York desperately. So it was oh, great to be back too. there. Me
0: too. Me too. Yeah. Thank you for that. Of course. Welcome. Thank you. It's fun. Are you from New York?
2: I am. I grew up in New York City. Cool. Whereabouts? Yeah. I grew up in Brooklyn. in... Brooklyn Heights and mm-hmm. Cobble Hill and basically the Manhattan of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was I lived there my whole life until three years ago.
0: Yeah, and how how has the adjustment been? You still feel like a, a New Yorker inside forever? Yes and no. I mean, I.
2: I'm, I segued very easily to Los Angeles life. Like Mm -hmm. I just sort of talk about the fact that I'm kind of a suburban mom in a, in an urban mom's body. Like I (laughs) love to drive my car to the grocery store and, um, and I like having a backyard and a house and, you know, I can really get down with like that whole suburban mom thing. Um, but I do, you know, I miss, uh, The energy of New York Mm -hmm. City and the diversity of New York City and just being around people in that way like Mm -hmm. I sort of go back and forth like I am in need of solitude and isolation and I think that's what appeals to me about writing um, because you can basically make a career of that Mm -hmm. Um, but I also I alternate between wanting and needing that and then Feeling stifled by it and just desperately totally. craving, you know, the energy of other people's presence.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Hard to find here sometimes.
2: Really hard to find here. Yeah. I mean, there's no pedestrian life. I mean, I, my husband works downtown, and so we spend a decent amount of time downtown, and um, you sort of get it. Yeah. But it, it's not. It's the not same. the same. It's an empty
1: movie set of New York City.
2: Yeah, it does feel that way. I was in London this summer, and that. Because even New York doesn't feel like New York to me anymore. Like it's yeah, just, it's changing. It's so all banks. Much. Yeah, um, London feels like New- the New York that I oh yeah connect to. Yeah, I mean just that level of vibrancy and just the sort of the diversity. Looking at people's faces and the fashion and just mm-hmm. that whole thing that I feel like I grew up steeped in mm-hmm. um, feels like it's happening more. There, so oh, interesting, it does to New York to me, but
0: maybe I gotta go. No,
1: yeah, dude, I've been telling you, and <clears throat> okay. you're like, I don't know, I no, want to go ready. to Spain. Well, I
0: love Spain, but for yeah. different reasons.
1: Yes, I understand.
0: Um, so ugh, that's so cool. So basically, you lived the childhood that I wished that I had lived. <laughs> we yeah. all wish we lived someone else's. Of childhood, course, I think. Of course, of course. And do you think that living in New York, like, did you ever? Um, have the seed in your mind like, oh, I want to get out of here. I want to leave. Or were you like, no, this is Mm -hmm. where the magic is happening?
2: 100% this is where the magic is happening to the extent that when I went away to college. Which was where? Which was at Brown Mm -hmm. in Providence, Rhode Island, not very far, three-and-a-half-hour train ride. Um, But I was so sort of uh, really just snobby about my my identity was so wrapped up in being a New Yorker that – you know, I, I remember getting to Providence and being like, "They call this a city? Like Dude, this, this isn't is a city? <laughs> what okay. are we talking about?" We
0: don't really know each other <clears throat> super well, but I had the same experience in Chicago because, like, even so, I wasn't. I grew up in Southern Connecticut, but I felt like a New Yorker and my parents were New Yorkers mm-hmm. and their parents and like all of my family and I would go there all the time and I went to school in Chicago and I was like you call this a city and people were pissed off at me because yeah. they were like get off it's your high horse and I was like nothing is open past 9 p.m. Right. where are the diners this doesn't count right yeah totally
2: that yeah. was exactly and so I would go home on the weekends like I went home like mm-hmm. as often as I could mm-hmm. um just to maintain this connection with a place that I felt made me who I was in Mm -hmm. some form right and so then when I finished school it was straight back like it never occurred to me that I would go somewhere else Mm -hmm. it never even crossed my mind right um and then working there you know And then once I started working with Phil it was similarly like his life was there he had already lived in LA when he was younger Mm -hmm. so I felt again kind of Like, there was no option to leave. Like, I never really Mm -hmm. imagined that I could somehow. Um, And initially, I was very dismissive of Los Angeles as a creative place. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought that – and I think for me, because I was on the producing track, that that it would have become all-consuming. Sort of the business of being out here Mm -hmm. is very consuming. Totally. And I always thought that would be disastrous for creative – there's no creative input like mm-hmm. you're not that thing of like you're not on the subway you're no, you not walk around. outside yeah. and you're like there's nothing coming in I have to like produce something you out. Yeah. have to become in the air. generator that's yeah. right it's not like yeah. yeah that's right and that always seemed daunting and like not it wouldn't be good like it wouldn't result in good work and I, th- I always thought that's why a lot of the movies are not good because they're made by people who go from their house behind a gate to their Another, studio right. lot behind a gate right. in their car like they're never interacting with right. the world um and
0: that's still true. Like I think yeah. that's definitely true. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to fall down. I mean, I think I mean the whole We're system for a is collapse falling of down. The,
1: like the late 60s that would give way hopefully. I mean, fingers crossed knock on wood that would give way to like a more creative time like the 70s. Yeah. I'm well, hoping. Well that
2: that is, you know, I I went to an astrologist Yes. Uh, about I don't know, right after Phil died actually it was like I had had this appointment because it was some guy that you had to book an appointment with, like, three months in advance. And I had an appointment for, like, two days And after Phil died. And I was like, well, I guess I, this is, like, as good a time as any to go exactly. to an astrologist. And um, he told me that there are these kind of – I don't think he used these words, and I hope it's okay to curse. But he of told course. me there are these kind of shit storms mm-hmm. that – um, cosmically that happened to humanity every so often. And he actually mm-hmm. referenced the 60s as this point of incredible turmoil mm-hmm. that then ended with, we put a man on the moon. Like it ended with this like incredible <gasps> leap forward for mm-hmm. humanity. And he said, we're in the middle of one of them now. And that was like three... And a half, almost four years ago, we're
1: still in the middle of it. I so think. it's still
2: happening. I know. I, I need. I have a recording of mm-hmm. our session, oh, and yeah. I keep meaning to go back to be like, when is it gonna fucking end?
0: <laughs> Are we there yet? Because, when humanity collapses, right? It,
2: I mean, it's clear. We're clearly exactly as you said, at a, a, in the middle of something that I I believe will give way to.
0: A, a leap of progress of some yeah. kind. Yes, but even if it means flattening everything and starting fresh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I
1: mean, I just hope I can tell kids about this time <clears> uh, <throat> in my home and not a slave camp. Yeah, right. That'd be real <laughs> be real nice.
0: <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah.
1: When, um, you were, when you were a kid, was there a specific place in New York that you would, like, hang out? Was there a retreat
0: for you? Oh, yeah. Like, what was an inspiring spot for you to go?
2: Well,
0: um, that's a great question. You know,
2: we... As a younger kid, I don't I don't remember that so much. In high school, there were sort of two places. There there was the Promenade, mm-hmm. which is in Brooklyn Heights, and it's this walkway that looks out over the river and downtown Manhattan, mm-hmm. and that view of those buildings. And even you know, like I remember when new buildings got built, and then of course on nine eleven when that view that is mm-hmm. just sort of seared in my memory changed so radically. It was mm-hmm. that was like that's what I returned to is the the sort of juxtaposition of those images from the promenade. Um but you can see everything, you know, from the Statue of Liberty, the Brooklyn Bridge. It's incredibly picturesque. But but so so that was one place, you know, we would kind of go and hang out and there were these sort of clandestine spots under, you know, hidden from street lamps sort of mm-hmm. in the shadows and you'll there's actually there's a scene in my book that um is set there and is reminiscent of the times that I spent there and then there was this place that we called u t b which was under the brook under the bridge mm-hmm. and it was basically the base of the Brooklyn Bridge, which in the nineties was abandoned and you could just go down there and drink. And it was like
0: mm-hmm. – a- And who called it UTB? Was it like we all – We the- all
2: did. Everyone from my school. I don't know if other schools. I doubt it. I think it was really just a thing that my school did. I what never, school were you at? We were you private I went, school. Yeah, I went to this really weird <laughs> – it's not weird, but <laughs> it's interesting actually. Uh, I went to this school called St. Anne's, which – um, in light of recent events, the Harvey Weinstein story, mm-hmm. et cetera, um, there have been some things emerging about the school and this oh, no. incredible comment thread on Facebook, um, and it was a very controversial place, it's, mm-hmm. it's a school. My husband actually went there too, and he's 14 years older. So when he wow. was there, it was like- A totally different place. An insane place. I mean, we had a smoking lounge in the school until I was in like
0: what? third grade. Wait, so is this is, is associated with St. Anne's Warehouse, the theater?
2: Um, no, but it is, they're, they're both associated with the church, the St. Anne's Church, gotcha. which is uh, in Brooklyn Heights. And the school was never a religious school, but it was given a charter to exist Kind of mm-hmm. as an addendum of the church, even though it was never religious mm-hmm. or affiliated um, in, in any religious way. but my father-in-law actually was one of the fa- founders of the school and they had they brought in this man named Stanley Bosworth to run the school and he was just this very controversial guy like one of these very larger than life brilliant visionaries mm-hmm. but who also was like deeply problematic in certain ways and um no <laughs> I, and i yeah i mean and i i don't i can't speak to, i never i had a very i mean i was very close with his family so mm-hmm. i have a very mostly positive mm-hmm. um association with them. but some of the things that are coming out about people's experiences with him and with, with the school in general been very interesting to see um so it was a strange place but you know I loved it. I mean it was my home away from home. It saved my life in a way. You know, I had a I had a challenging childhood and so I had this school that really um made me feel that I could do and be anything and that my mm-hmm. creativity was valid and my intellect was exceptional and you know I really grew up with that as mm-hmm. a as like the foundation of my existence
0: and it was a uh, was it specifically like an arts school it was definitely
2: geared toward the arts um the the philosophy of the school was that the children there were in some form gifted and that's you know mm-hmm. a very subjective weird word to use yeah. but that's the word they children used children love to hear that they're gifted they though they do uh, um, but it, you know the the admissions were based on IQ tests and you know there mm-hmm, were certain yeah. things but it was also really predicated on the idea that if you were an, ex, you know, an extraordinary or even just a great violinist, mm-hmm. um, but you were really not great at math, that was fine. That there was equal weight oh, between the oh, arts and the academics. I feel like academics.
0: should be that. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's focus on the thing that the child is excelling right. at and enjoying. That's right. I, I completely yeah. am all yeah. about that. So took, it,
2: was, it was really that way. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I took yeah.
1: Basic, basic math in college because my school was awful at um, yeah,
0: public schools, dude. There so, were no
2: grades, like no letter grades. You know, like, 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 I didn't have Montessori-esque? Le- no, not at all. Uh, in fact, I mean, Montessori is very rigid, actually, in its structure. And my daughter went to Montessori. Uh-huh. It's very, like, everything has a place and you put things away. There's like a real order to it. Huh, and St. Anne's was all chaos. Like it was just the most cha- but mm-hmm. like magical chaos mm-hmm. in a way.
1: And the, within the chaos, was there, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like all, all teens and kids have like a deep ennui. I mean, that's what this mm-hmm. friggin' shows about. What was yours?
2: <laughs> um, where to start on the answer to that <laughs> question? Well, so, you know, I had I had a, you know, I had a ch- I had a wonderful childhood and a challenging childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very um, important, you know, for me to not uh, acknowledge one without the other, you mm-hmm. know. And so my parents uh got married, I think they really loved each other. They had a baby, that's me. <laughs> and and then when I was about two years old, my father had an affair with a man mm-hmm. and I think had always had this sense that he was gay, but had been really kind of talked out of it. I mean like had gone to a therapist who told him, No, 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 no. It's just that you weren't good at sports <sighs> when you were a kid and so you put right. all of this Jesus like Christ. stuff on the boys at school and it was that kind of thing. Uh, but then it sort of became undeniable, and they separated. Mm-hmm.
0: How old were you when that happened? I was two. Yeah.
2: And so I don't have any memory of them together. Right. Really. Um, in fact, my first memory is my father moving out of our apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and But they stayed very close. They started a business together after wow. they split up. Wow. Um, and they were very, very close for the rest of my father's life. Um, so I went back and forth between their house, like it was, that was all in many ways very idyllic Mm -hmm. and, and my dad was a really kind of extraordinary person. He was incredibly creative. He would build, like build with hammers and nails, like puppet theaters for me in the attic and like every birthday was some, like when I turned five, he created a life size number five that was Papered in sticks of chewing gum. So I had like a year worth of like sugar free chewing gum. I don't know. It was like things like that that were Mm -hmm. really just (laughs) special and fun. Um, But he was a gay man in the 80s. And when I was uh, eight years old, he was diagnosed with AIDS Mm. and he was sick for five years and then he died. And (sighs) when you were 14? When I was almost 14, like a month shy of my 14th birthday. And, you know, and sick in a way that. Came with, like, tremendous amounts of shame and secrecy. Of course. Because everybody, I mean, people were, like, so freaked out by Of AIDS course. And oh, yeah. I didn't talk about it with anyone at school. Like, no one knew he was sick. No one knew wow. that. And most people didn't really even know he was gay. I mean, I remember in third grade, like, the boy that I had a crush on who came from, like, a super conservative, like, wealthy family. Mm-hmm. You know, and he would, like, make... Gay jokes and like call people fags, and I would just be like, uh huh, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, it, it was very challenging to kind of like compartmentalize. And, um, what was your release valve for
0: having those feelings if you couldn't talk about it?
2: I really didn't have one, which is like wow. crazy, but I really just had an interior existence mm-hmm. in so many ways. I mean, I had school. I, I don't know, maybe my release valve was that like I tortured teachers and was like what, you know, I was always referred to as disruptive, but they loved me <laughs> because I was like engaged like the, that quality right. then by high school was engaged. Right. Um, so I don't know, but then, you know, eventually like after my father died in high school, um it became making things and it became dance mm-hmm. and choreography and photography and writing. And you know, in high school, I kind of found um, an outlet through creative practice and also mm-hmm. through film. Like, I the year after he died, I you know, I basically spent like a year in a movie theater. Like every weekend, I would go to the Angelica Film Center. Oh, how amazing! Oh, and just and you were talking about like the ni- yeah. like ninety five. Like that year was it was actually tenth grade. It was a year later that I like hit out in the movie theater, and that was like you know Pulp Fiction oh, and yeah, like that's right. you know like. Um, eat Drink Man Woman like there were so many I can't even like enumerate the, naked just the um, of independent really cinema, like amazing world mainstream. independent cinema and so that saved me in a lot yeah. of ways yeah. um, and I think is part of how I ended up gravitating to that as a career um, and by then I was free to talk about like by the, once he died you know then I was then it was kind of like okay like the relief there was the a relief Ooh, to that right 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 in a way and I could sort of just move on and talk about it and like you know
0: so I have I mean I have to ask because you were in New York City and you had this experience like in this encounter with with AIDS what was the rent experience like for you did you think that it was a bunch of bullshit did you roll your eyes at it did you love it like how did you react to it
2: well, like any cynical teenager, I think I was a teenager when that. I mean, I think I was still in high school. What what year did the, was Rent? Was it like ninety five, ninety six? I, I think yeah, it was like about.
0: ninety. I mean, I think, I, yeah, I was a I was a freshman or sophomore. Yeah, probably
2: like ninety seven. Okay, so then I was in college, but um, yes, I remember going to see it, mm-hmm. and I remember hating it. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I hated the music. Like, I just thought the music wasn't good. I mean, I'm not a musical theater person, you right? Know, so I don't know. Yeah, if you don't I... really strike me as that no. flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love, you know, like, I, I can get down with Hamilton, you know, oh, yeah. I'm, who can't? But I, you know, I'm, I didn't, I, I think I always found like the sort of show tune thing. Like, I just never, it wasn't my thing. And, um, Yes, so there's that one song which actually my daughter sang in preschool last year and it broke my heart. The you know five hours or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah That yeah. song is amazing, and I would like <laughs> you know I would like listen to that on repeat if I could. It's great, but everything I don't know. So I found it. Um, I think it re- was like reductive. Yeah, to me. yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't get, I didn't feel like, oh my god, they're telling my story. Right. Like I remember seeing Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. And finding that pretty compelling. I think I had problems with it, which in hindsight were just total, like, you know, they were about something else. Like that. That's a film that I think I, I would say, like, stands up to me as like a great um, record god. of that mm-hmm. moment.
1: My sister fought a dude <clears> in the theater because we, my, my uncle passed away from AIDS Oh wow! and she saw Philadelphia right around maybe a year year two after and she's like watching it bawling her eyes out and this dude in the back is like good for you you fucking faggot oh my god she gets she she, like gets up and starts like yelling at him and they get into it but it was yeah that movie that is a touchstone movie for my family too because it was for the first time it, it wasn't uh the archetype of a floppy wristed oh hello right. well, it was just, it was tom hanks that's right tom hanks was the gay guy that's right yeah. and it was and denzel was the guy who was standing it was yeah it was, really it
2: took a huge yeah. leap and it was it was Thanks. like a a groundbreaking um choice making jimmy film. stewart could have been the gay right. guy right right like that
1: that right. yeah that was ah, yeah. yeah that, that was that movie, a big deal i think it's a family uh, for film me. for us too
2: yeah
0: so yeah Oh, my gosh. So basically, you were dealing with very adult problems when you were a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so tell me then, how does this lead into your college experience and what you're going to share with us right now? Because you're already grown up by the time you go to college.
2: Yes. In fact, I will add that my mother moved to Europe um, the summer before my junior year of high school. So I ended what? up living for the last two years of high school with a gay couple that had been friends of my parents. What? Yeah. So I was like really
0: on my own. Yeah, you from, are like, sixteen. Yeah, you are like yeah. a storybook like young woman <laughs> warrior who strikes out alone <laughs> into the world. It's really yeah. impressive. Yes, with her like Italian Catholic
2: gay godmother who would cook dinner every night I mean I had it pretty good <laughs> I, that's the thing it's like I, again it's like yes I would not have wished for all of those things but like they're all you know they all had their incredible gifts to bear as well mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. so yeah I went to college very confident <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. and um, very creative and very like ready I thought mm-hmm. 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 Um and then it was awful. Like it was really hard, and I was one of five thousand people who were really smart and really talented. <laughs> you know Girl, what I mean? you
0: were preaching to the choir over here. Yeah,
2: and um, and so my reaction to that was, I don't want to be here, mm-hmm. and fuck this, and mm-hmm. I don't need this, and why am I even here? And who needs a college degree? And this is bullshit.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And. Um, so I went through sort of a, well, maybe I'll just drop out and go to New York and work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I went through, no, 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 no. I'm going to go to art school. I'm actually going to like pursue the thing that I think is the thing, which at the time was photography. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself a, uh, an art school in Boston, which was mm-hmm. somewhat more of a city. Mm-hmm. And I got myself in and I transferred there. My Which? Year. Emerson? No, no, the School of the Museum of Fine
0: Arts. Okay. the Museum school. Oh, cool.
2: Yeah, a cool school. And I, my grandmother, who God fucking bless her <laughs> and rest <laughs> her soul, um, she put me through college and she was on board with this mm-hmm. and agreed to subsidize it for me to do it. And um, so I moved to Boston and it was awful. Oh no. oh no. This is the recurring theme. No, it wasn't awful. <laughs> but I, I realized that I did not have anything to say, actually, as an artist. Oh
1: god. god.
0: Oh no. That's I know. The-
2: it hurts. It was tough. I yeah. mean I don't I don't even know that consciously I would have acknowledged that, but like yeah. when I think back, it's like I didn't know what to make art about. And I made some things that I think were really successful. Like I did this uh like Incredibly large format Polaroid of like the aftermath of a meal, which I think is mm-hmm. still like something I love. And there were some pieces I made that were really great. And then in general, I feel like I was really adrift. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's. I also think the school was again like very free form. There were no. There was real... no structure involved. Yeah, and. So for someone who's, like, trying to figure out, well, like, what do I really want to make and talk about? Like, nobody was helping me right. identify yeah. that. So I went back to Brown. I was like, you know what? That was great. I did my thing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I kind of missed, like, intellectual rigor. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I actually, in the same way that I talked about, like, L.A. being too much of one thing, I mm-hmm. also felt art school was a little bit too much of it. Like, there were no yeah. other influences. So exactly. what are you making stuff about? You're not reacting to anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I went back to Brown. And, um. And then I figured it out. Like I found, mm-hmm. when I went back, I started studying what they call art semiotics, which is basically just film and cultural theory and mm-hmm. the study of how images make meaning. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're watching Hitchcock movies and yeah. you're like writing papers about, you know, shot by shot I analyses. miss that so oh, much. Me, me
1: too. Yeah, That's so
2: like about. then I was like, oh, this is what I, like this yeah. is my thing. And that was really exciting. Um, but I think there was a kind of—I um, was going to say permanent—but it's not clearly because here I am. I just wrote a novel. There was a a real um, a, a wound in my mm-hmm. like creative self mm-hmm. um, that really took the next like almost twenty years to undo, mm-hmm. uh, or fifteen years to undo, or to heal, or whatever. Um, and so what I brought to share is actually like this series of images I took a class on it's called the computer and the visual arts I mean this is like the 90s right so like we barely had email (laughs) and it was like really basic Photoshop stuff Mm -hmm. the world wide
0: web yeah Yeah. really
2: world wide web like I I remember the computer I had at the time was not even a color it didn't have a color monitor it was like a black and green laptop you Mm -hmm. know Anyway, so I took this class and and I the the reason that I actually wanted to share this is is like less so much um the the work itself, which is like incredibly poor. <laughs> um although <laughs> but it's actually that that with it in this folder that I have and I I don't have I really don't have any of my work from high school like i i do somewhere but i have no idea where it is and i i feel like i'm not somebody with you no know, because i didn't really have like i kind of ended up without a home at a certain right. point so so that's n- that's
0: the story yeah, yeah there's
2: no like mom you know my old bedroom doesn't exist um so but i have what what struck me in this folder is that i have the critique that the teacher wrote about this uh-huh. work on which i got a grade i got a b so like totally average work and um, that piss you off? I don't remember. I mean, I by senior year, I got I was a straight A student. Like once yeah. I finally figured it out. Yeah. but this was earlier on, and and I don't think so because I know, and you can see in this that all of the criticism is around my level of effort. Like mm-hmm. it's all like the ideas are wonderful, and I think you needed to like work harder to realize mm-hmm. them. And that's really why what I was like interested in in sort of sharing and talking about is yeah. like how I think a lot of us um kind of hinder our own creativity mm-hmm. um by not really putting in the work.
0: Yeah, because if you don't try, you can't fail. That's right. That's <laughs> and, right. And failing is extremely fucking painful. That's right. Yeah.
2: And I think also that we imagine somehow and I think I'm I was guilty of this for a long time like We imagine somehow that art is not – that there isn't, like, an extraordinary amount of hard work and effort. Like, that it's somehow, like, a magical thing that, like, either you can just do it or, like, it comes out of you and it's perfect and awesome or it's not, right? And I think – I mean, the thing I learned – I mean, like, I took me – three years to write my book and I wrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it again and rewrote it after that and like Mm -hmm. I still pick it up and think oh my god I wish I could change things right it's the hardest work there is in some ways and um that's not true I shouldn't say that there are people like you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) your your experience (laughs) is your experience Um, so don't invalidate it so
2: so point being that I think it, it was important for me to look back at this and to see, and, and the idea is in... There.
0: Yes, what is the what is the work itself? So, and okay.
2: Do you mind if I take a picture of it? Of course not. I, okay. And I don't know if you want to just do one image. Oh, my goodness. um But I have a couple, I seem to have, and I don't even really remember a lot of this. I have this series about, they're, they're all about, like, staying young. Yeah. They're and- all about, like, anti-aging. And... um. And they're incredibly rudimentary and poor, poorly made. This one is the one. I mean, I think this just because I love this um, the text
0: here, which I <laughs> yes, please describe for the <laughs> listeners if you can. Okay,
2: so this is a photoshopped image of an, a much older man. Um, do we have to wrap up? No, no, no,
0: no. Um, I, she was. I was. Well, yeah, I'll take okay. a picture of it after. So, okay. Yeah.
2: So, so this is a photograph, a photoshopped image of a much older man. Um, clearly married because he's wearing a wedding ring. <laughs> and he is looking, it, it appears, the gaze it, it, between these. He, so he's seated next to, like, a, you know, I think this might be Anna Nicole. Is it? I don't know. It's yeah, like I, a yeah. very busty blonde, blonde with bimbest. a blonde. Like, I don't know that
1: it's bimbest. her. <laughs> with
0: an E S S E. It's
1: the type. It's the the type. type.
2: It's like a, you know, plastic blonde trophy. Highly made up trophy with a pink poodle and a diamond choker and her boobs sticking out and he's staring at them and they're sort of sitting side by side. Um, And then the sort of slogan or the tagline which I have attached to this image is fuck forever. (laughs) (laughs) And um, which has several many meanings. meanings it has yeah. many yeah. meanings and I, but I think what's interesting is that I seem to have made this based on the, the, the critique from my professor I seem to have made this like as part of a series about um, like anti-aging eternal life mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. Um, not about like Viagra or whatever which is kind of you know you could certainly read it that way that the, you know whatever whatever this picture is selling would enable you to have right. sex indefinitely um, but I think it's actually this idea of like like forget forever like we uh, have
0: right now we have yeah. what's immediately in front of us immediate gratification yeah yeah
2: and and it's interesting because my novel is all about this actually it's, really it's all about um what do we do in the face of loss? Like how do – like I think it's hard to talk about without giving things away. The book is full of spoilers. It's like an (laughs) incredibly fun, twisty story. But there's a lot of sort of deep themes in it, and one of them really has to do with like when we experience loss, we have certain choices to make about, um, you know, whether we – cave into that mm-hmm. and we resist and reject everything that comes with it or whether we actually lean into it and embrace it and look for the ways in which it's, it's creating beauty and magic yeah. in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's something about that too that like even then in this very like crude and poor rudimentary visual way, I was really kind of puzzling in some ways with these ideas around... Denial? Denial like- and that like is forever – is that the thing? Is that, like, what we, what we want? Are we – Right. Are we focused on that to the detriment of something else – um, you know this like quest for eternal youth and quest for eternal life and this disavowal of death and and aging like what
0: which is, is actually that? like unnatural and resisting the flow of things and how everything actually does end, but so much of humanity is like let 's just pretend death never happens. Yes. Right. And act accordingly. Yeah,
1: insulate ourselves. I mean, this. Yeah, the guy here, he wants you. You know, he wants her because she's young, and Mm -hmm. you know, she can offer him youth,
0: and maybe she can fuck the youth back into him. Sure, and she (laughs) sees
1: a moving ATM machine that happens to be right. You know, like there's money and youth and those things that protect you from
0: the world. So funny because it's like such. I feel like it's such a Los Angeles image it's funny oh, it is 100%. actually <laughs> it is totally here we are so I it's would, a premonition of sorts. yes <laughs> indeed you had no idea yeah um would you read some of this uh what the professor wrote to you he, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
2: so I should have I should have like highlighted this because it's long but I'll try I'll just stick with the the fuck forever section yes so she, she starts with Emily I really like your research and idea The images start to be effective and perhaps get sabotaged a bit by technical issues. Um, And then she kind of talks about these other pieces. And then she says, fuck forever is a wonderful slogan and seems to fit your image perfectly. I do wish items such as the type style and color worked a little better. Also, the component images, the woman and the man, don't come close to inhabiting the same space because the contrast and grain of the images is so different. Technically, these are easy things to solve with Photoshop. Mm. She gives me some suggestions of how to fix them. Mm. Um, They would still look collaged because the lighting is so different, but an uncanny feel to the image might be part of the fun. After all, the man isn't looking at the woman, and I don't think Photoshop is going to fix that. Well, I think he is, I actually. I think he looking at her breasts. breasts. That's yeah, what I you think. You can see the
0: eyeline. Yeah.
2: Um, This image, like the dual images, start to trigger a whole series in my mind and motivates me to want to see more. Fuck forever is a slogan that might have some different meanings and as such might be a great advertising slogan, except for the obscenity issue, of course. Consequently, (laughs) this image starts to raise some authenticity questions and could easily fit into a brochure or even a series targeted at a more fine arts audience. Overall, there's great ideas here and some fun starting points, but it needed more effort Hmm. in perhaps a more focused direction but she's so right it's so true
0: and what do you think was holding you back from that (coughs) level of effort it was was it was just that you you were unclear on what you exactly wanted to do or you're just like let me get through it
2: I think the former I think that there was like a kind of stab and I think for so for, for for you know From the start of college, really until I wrote this book, I feel like I have been sort of stabbing in creative directions Mm -hmm. without really knowing any more than that. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I've had, like, inklings and ideas and sort of fits and starts around things that I wanted to make or ideas that I wanted to express and then never really gone further than that. And I think completely out of fear – that I wouldn't that, – that, like, ultimately those ideas were not good ideas, that I wouldn't be well, able it didn't, to execute it didn't, like, them.
0: vibrate the way it needed to. Like, I yeah. – this is why I'm so – I'm so happy you wrote this book. I really can't wait to read it. And it sounds like um, a really important, like, laser-focused culmination of, like, you've been, like, stabbing around in mm-hmm. the dark for years, and it finally came into this form. Yeah. Um, was there a particular – do you remember a moment when – the form of it showed up for you or did you just sit down one day and start writing and see what happens?
2: No, I met with these two women who have like a literary packaging company. So they like, they're kind of like the producers of books. Uh They help writers shape. Sometimes they have their own ideas and they hire writers to write them. And sometimes they will just shape a writer's vision and kind of work with them. Are they out here in New York? They're actually in Denver now. They were in New York when I met them.
0: I didn't even know that job existed yeah
2: it's cool there's not i don't think a ton of people do it but i feel like more people should because there's so many writers that could benefit from Mm -hmm. that and um so yeah their name is in this together media and they're very so i met with them initially because i thought they might have books i could option um as a producer like Mm -hmm. their mission was really intriguing to me their mission was like i think it was like Uh, smart books about real girls like they wanted to do Mm -hmm. stories that were not princess stories and not damsel in distress stories Mm -hmm. and just like really grounded progressive feminist Mm -hmm. shit and we had a really great meeting and just sort of hit it off and they were very open to writers who were not experienced and hadn't Mm -hmm. written before and and they were focused on children's literature in YA. And I and I had tried to write versions of, like, my story of my dad's death in a literal way. Like, I wrote a pilot that was set in the 1980s about mm-hmm. a girl whose dad – you know – and it just never had life to it, and it's it's funny. It's like the thing I say all the time that I learned most from Phil was that all creative work should be personal, and it should rarely be literal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read um, that in an interview, which I was like, "Oh shit, maybe I'm going about this all wrong."
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know, everyone has their own way, but and 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 certainly, there's a lot of storytelling that is fairly literal and wonderful. For me, though, that was never going to work. I right. had to find a way to disconnect from what happened mm-hmm. and actually get to why is that story important for me to tell other people? And mm-hmm. what do I want to say with it? And what do I want other people to glean and take away from it? And how can I transform people with it? And um, so when I met with them, I suddenly thought, like, oh, this is a book. This is, there's a way to write this as a book for teenagers. Like, that's actually the mm-hmm. audience. And – and and to, to and to make it epic and to make it like not what actually happened but like bigger than that mm-hmm. in some form and so that kind of just came and then the voice of the girl came very quickly after that like i remember what i sent to them as like a proposal was like a few pages written in this girl's voice mm-hmm.
0: and that was the leaping point for amazing. me amazing amazing yeah i I'm so excited about it, and I'm so excited that there's so much more um, focus on, like, young women as real human beings and Mm -hmm. – Well, it's a really
2: feminist story, and it's not obviously that, which is also – You know, I've been talking a lot about this idea of, like, the strong female character, right? We all want strong female characters, and – And I understand why, because we're countering what we've seen forever, which is the weak female character who has to be saved or rescued Mm -hmm. um, or awakened with a kiss. I mean, it's, it's so fascinating. I was just doing an interview the other day about, like, the Disney movies where, like, the awakening of the woman occurs as the denouement of the film because a Man kisses her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's her awakening, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's just like, what? Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing stories where the awakening actually occurs early in the story. In movies like mm-hmm. Frozen and mm-hmm. Moana and Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. the awakening is given to a woman or a female character by another female character. Mm-hmm and it happens at the outset of the of the story. Right, so the woman can actually be
0: awake for the whole story. That's right.
2: And like what that's like a profound shift yeah. in culture yeah. and it's happening and 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 the same occurs in light years. And so she's a girl when we meet her who is a strong female character but in the wrong way, mm-hmm. in the way that is um through the disavowal of her own feelings and her emotional self. Mm -hmm. The condition, the form of synesthesia that she has is tied to her emotional state. So Mm -hmm. the more she feels, the more she is plagued by overwhelming sensory input Mm -hmm. sensation. And that is something she works against. Like she doesn't want to feel too much Mm -hmm. because it's destabilizing Mm -hmm. so she's learned to manage her emotions and manage her Mm -hmm. feelings and keep herself under control which is exactly what i did but Mm -hmm. i don't you know it's again it's not literally Mm -hmm. my story but it has
0: i love that though because there's a bit of a a supernatural quality to it. Even though synesthesia is a real yeah. thing, there's something not non-literal that's and right. non-left brain about it so that you can, like, feel your way into the experience rather than reason your way into the experience. That's right. And that's
2: what she learns to do. And it becomes a kind of superpower for mm-hmm. her. I mean, it really does. And, and um, you know, I think that, to me, that message for women, that, like, your intuition, your empathy, and your creativity are like the keys to your being able to change the world and like mm-hmm. that's really what the book is saying ultimately you'll see that when you read it like i wanted to read that book and i think me too we all like <laughs> we all need to read that book now cuz like we're dealing with a world that is telling us the opposite is true and it's mm-hmm. not
0: amazing tell okay tell people where they can buy this where they can find you online um yes. all of the things
2: you can buy the book um you know in all the usual places Amazon Barnes and Noble and um, if your bookstore, I prefer to send people to their local indie bookstore because mm-hmm. I think we all need more. Let's keep them awesome alive indie bookstores. So if the if your bookstore doesn't have it, just tell them that you want it and they mm-hmm. will get it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find me on my website, which is emilyziffgriffin dot com, and has a lot more about what inspired me to write the book and all the reviews are there and um, and. And like there's my a, writing workshops and all kinds of stuff there. I didn't you know
0: you led writing workshops. I
2: do. Oh. I lead a very cool. On this exact idea of how to create story through uh, – how to use personal experience to tell resonant. Oh, maybe you're my uh, new teacher. Oh, fun. Yeah. Let's discuss that. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, emilyziffgriffin.com and then on Instagram at emilyziffgriffin. And Facebook and all Twitter. Of this all shit. I don't really use Twitter because I don't understand. I'm sorry. I cannot get Twitter to it's make sense to me. It's, really it's not, not for everybody. It's really not. You know why? Because I'm not brief.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all, all I do is just fashion messages to the president and then delete them.
2: Because you get scared. I get scared. I mean, like
1: every time I'm calling him like dipshit or no, something. No, it's
2: scary. I can't, I can't it's do it. it's legitimately scary. You know to. Like, cause really, these people are capable of anything in a really dark way, mm-hmm. and it's just really fucking scary. And
0: you have to really choose how you want to be visible right that's now. That's right. true story. Because we're all visible all the time, uh, which I used to really want, you know, right. in my life. But now I'm like, do I want it in that way? Mm. No,
2: I think that's right. I think it's you have to make choices. And like, you know, someone asked me the other day to do an interview for like some BBC thing about actually talking about how, from a spiritual perspective. Trump's election is part of the awakening that's happening mm-hmm. to humans, which, mm-hmm. which which I believe, mm-hmm. and I believe I've, that and, I've too. Yeah.
0: and I've talked about that. Um, he, it's the tower card. It's the devil card. It's yeah. like all the bad shit needs to bubble up to the surface so yeah. it can be skimmed off. It Can't off. be yeah. suppressed anymore. That's yeah. right.
2: Like if like we couldn't have had Hillary, and it was clear to me. On election night, I remember getting that, like, just yeah. that hit with that clarity. Like, oh, this is what has to happen for yep. us to evolve. Yep. Um, but I, felt, in the streets, but I felt I didn't end up doing it because I was just kind of like, I I don't. I have my own way of putting that message forward. Uh-huh. And, like, being in a BBC documentary is not, doesn't feel like the way for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. It just felt maybe too public or too... Mm, Who
0: cares why? The point is your intuition told you no, and that was probably correct. That's right. (laughs) Well, Emily, I have a gift for you. We always give gifts to our our guests because um, unlike most people that I know, um, my childhood bedroom is still intact, (laughs) and it's full of shit. So um, rather than put it all in a dumpster because I can't bear to do that, and I'm such a sentimental creature, I have been giving away items to my guests to give them a new life.
2: Weird. I feel like I'm on... um, Wheel of Fortune, when you get to go in the room and
0: pick something, you know? And you get a new ironing board. Mm. No, this is not, well, it might be useful. And actually, um, you know, earlier we were talking about the 60s and having that, the culmination of that time being a man to walk on the moon. What I have for you is this <gasps> moon oh stress my God. ball. I
2: love this.
0: And I've had it forever. And it, the, some of the gray stuff is flaking off. So just beware if it's on, near oh, your clothes. So but like, and it's so really cool. Good stress relief situation. I love it.
2: I love and... something from outer space. It's per- <laughs> the perfect gift for me. Yeah. I thought, I thought it might be. Thank you. Thank you so yeah, much.
0: Emily Ziff Griffin, read her book Light Years. Thank you so much for joining us on The Bitch Seat. Thank, Thank you. you very much. And, and for uh, all you listeners out there, go ahead, Phil.
1: Um, well, first, want to apologize. Just kept my phone was exploding because I was overdrafted. But it's okay. We're all good.
0: We're not thinking about that. We're, we're in childhood that. land right now. We're, we're not thinking about life. it. Grown up. I was problems. sharply
1: brought back into the present, and I should have actually been in the present. And I, I, I apologize for that. Uh, we can cut this, or not. You know what? Whatever.
0: Listen, we're artists. We don't need money, right? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, anyway, guys, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Please check out Emily's Please. book. Please please follow us on all the social media that we were just um, tearing apart. and um, Just Twitter. Just Twitter. Just the Twitter. But yeah. like uh, per usual, send me some images, stories, messages about your youth, ways in which you were transformed, uh, Lissamandel.com. Tell me about your favorite movies.
1: Me, not her. Or, <laughs> or music. Or you could tell either one. I don't care. Phil. What? I'm trying to just carve out a niche, you know. I know. Trying to be useful.
0: All right, guys. Oh, uh, real quick. Uh, November 30th, if you're in L.A., we're going to be doing a live um, podcast recording of The Bitch Seat at the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown Comics, 7522 Sunset. That's right. Uh, so come and check it out live. It's um, a good time.
1: That's right. I'm, uh, some of my art or comics will be on display at Art and Prozac <laughs> in Newark, New Jersey. Look up Art and Prozac online uh look for joey palestina he's the guy who's going to be curating that whole thing but yeah definitely you could see some of uh fail wolf live and uh on paper probably i would assume it's paper
0: right i think you're in charge of the medium with that one
1: i am i was told to be in charge of the medium it's probably gonna be paper guys okay great glossy <laughs> all right till then treasure, treasure what, what got, got, you got you here, here.
0: Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and... I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really
1: good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're
0: sweet.
1: And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes.
0: Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey,
1: let me t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one I, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Uh, Haddonfield.
0: What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first boule- burlesque. <laughs> burlesque show. club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the lacy Pumpkin. The la- Ooh.